Amen. Once again, thank you for being here on Wednesday night. We are really starting a sermon series that could last for a while, I guess, but uh, for the time being, we're going to do this tonight and then again in two weeks where we look at uh, alternative lifestyles. We're, we're calling this series Alternative Lifestyles of the Word and the World, and uh, if you are interested in sharing this, um, we have a podcast that you could uh, just share this. It's, it's the easiest way. And it'll be recorded tonight, and you can just share that to people that you think may uh, benefit from hearing this. And uh, if you would take your Bibles to, and turn them to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2 is where we'll be later on when we finally get to Ephesians. But uh, we'll be uh, studying from Ephesians tonight, verse by verse. And when we think of alternative lifestyles, we think of those that are outside the cultural norm, right? That's, that's the base definition and as time goes by and the scope of alternative lifestyles gets broader it becomes more difficult in general to teach about alternative lifestyles without being specific to examples of what those look like and probably all of us can think of examples maybe close to us that we would uh, think of lifestyles that are what we would consider outside of the norm but the truth is, it's within these examples uh, that, that we find the real truth about what we would call alternative lifestyles. For example, I think it's important to tell you that the last four conversations that I've had personally uh, to, to, with people here that have concerns relative to homosexuality, with, within those last four conversations, all four of those conversations have desired to deal with, is, with this issue with the church not apart from the church or against the church, but wanting, knowing what we preach and the, the conviction that we uphold biblically, wanting to tackle that with the church, not to be distanced from us or not to be, um, you know, but, but they, they want to work it out because they, they really want to, to arrive. Even though they may be still dealing with it or frustrated by their feelings, um, it's not, a, not against us or apart from us. They want to hear the truth. See, that begins to change things when you think about actually being involved in a specific example of an alternative lifestyle. And the truth is, personally, I felt very honored that they would come and, and say, this is, this is where, what, what I'm dealing with and this is, uh, or this is what our concern is. So we have to learn about lifestyles contradictory to the Christian lifestyle because uh, we, we can't approach conversations in the right way with the right information if we don't. You think about what... what Christian missionaries do when they go across cultures. They study the culture before they go there. They study the language. They study the, the lifestyle. They study what's happening before they actually go to the culture in, in order to engage that culture with the gospel. Likewise, if, if we look on the other side, the last thing we want to do as a church is just disengage from the whole thing. Just write people off like they can't be saved. So uh, I, I say all this to say that, that we will probably get to in this discussion, not tonight, but we'll probably get to the, in the, within this discussion uh, some two specific examples of what we're looking at but altogether uh, is, is more of what we're going to tackle tonight. So before we dive into what we would perceive as alternative lifestyles in our current culture, let me provide you with a thought that's going to set our Christian attitude to study by. It's really Christians that should be the alternative lifestyle. Did y'all hear that? It's really Christians that should be the alternative lifestyle that, that we think of. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, 
the Bible says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So think about the scripture we just read. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. We looked at this recently. Let God transform you. Let God change you by changing the way that you think. And then you'll learn to know what is God's will, his pleasing and perfect will. This is a call to be changed by God, to be different because of God. But often what becomes culturally accepted is what becomes Christian accepted. What really the culture begins to say, well, that's not too bad, is what Christian, even Christian churches begin to say, well, that's really not too bad. And so here's what I mean. Alternative lifestyles are ongoing. They are an ongoing, lived out, sinful practice that is relative to a wide range of transgressions, but usually they're associated in our day and time with LGBTQ and their movement. And it is a movement because it has an agenda. And so there's more to come on that. But this movement, however, this movement is not yet widely accepted in American culture. And by that I say yet, not yet widely accepted in American culture. But other sins have become widely accepted in American culture. Drunkenness, idolatry, promiscuity, pornography, quarreling, selfish ambition, division. Y'all, these are sins that are widely accepted in the United States of America. And all of those sins you will find in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. So do you get my point? Like all of these things that we pick out as the culture has said, these are not acceptable. American culture would tell you that the things that I just read is. So when the Christian culture begins to adopt the American culture, we got big time problems in the church. Here's something I've learned that I think it's important to, to communicate American and Christian are not synonyms. Those are not synonyms. As the song goes, I, I, I am proud. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I'm proud to be an American, just like the song says. I'd sing it, but we don't have, we don't have to do that. I, I really am. I'm proud to be an American. I, I know that our family has a, a rich tradition and, and uh, people that have served in the United States military. And our country was grounded on Judeo-Christian ideals for sure. But our country is not the kingdom of God. In fact, it is far from it. It is very worldly. And I don't want our church to, to link, I don't want you to link your personal Christianity with cultural Christianity. I don't want you to take your cue from what we believe based off what the country accepts or rejects or what our world accepts or rejects because to do so may result in rejecting what the culture acknowledges. But here's the deal. But when the culture changes, so does the acknowledgement. See, our, our culture right now may say that that's wrong and everybody knows that's wrong. Well, what if that changes? See, if your Christianity is based off of what culture mixed in with religion says is right or wrong, you will change alongside the culture. There is no American Christianity. There is no cultural Christianity. There's biblical Christianity. That's it. So let's talk about sin for a moment. All sin, all sin is biblically deviant. All of it. Regardless if, if it's culturally accepted or, or not, regardless if it's celebrated or not, all sin is biblically deviant. The scripture says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All means all. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
the wages of sin is death, is what the Bible also says about sin. Which means there is, in Scripture, every time you see the word death, it usually means separation. For the wages of sin is separation from God. We, we are no longer in fellowship with God. We have not a right relationship with God because of sin. What we earn because of sin is death. Now listen to this. It may not be the same sin, but it will be the same wage. So whatever the sin is attached to our own name and heart, that God has either forgiven us from or that we are dealing with now, it may not be the same sin as somebody else, but it will be the same wage. Because the wages of sin, S-I-N, the state of it, the nature of it, is death. Whether that be flying a rainbow flag that desecrates the symbol that God made for his promises or flying a rebel flag with hatred in your heart. Different sin, same wage. And that is the truth of of God's word. So when we think about our sin and their sin, whoever there is, don't compare yourself to another. We have to compare ourselves to the one. It's, it's biblical Christianity. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says, It is your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Now, that scripture is followed by a short listing of sin as, as God is teaching his people. And that short listing of sin includes murdering, lying, injustice, oppressive behavior. And all of Israel was not guilty of all of those sins, but they were still guilty because of your sin, is what the Bible says. The only difference between sinners are those who know that they are sinners and those who remain in sin. That really is the difference. In verse 18 of Isaiah 59, 59 verse 18, it says, He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds. When I read that today, I began to think, okay, who, who is the enemy of God? Well, the scripture says that those who love the world make themselves enemies of God. Those who align themselves with the world will experience a judgment. It's going to be payday someday. And that is the truth of God's word. So here's my point. Those who live within cultural Christianity, and we all have to check ourselves on that, but all who live within cultural Christianity must be careful because we can become so eyes wide open to the sin of other people that we can be eyes closed to our own. Now, here's where it really gets dangerous. Eyes closed to our own sin within cultural Christianity, which is not real Christianity. Which means that if our eyes are closed to our own sin within our faith of cultural Christianity, we will remain in our sin and be as separate from God as all the others that we think are separate. Because it's not biblical Christianity, it's cultural. We believe what mom and daddy and grandmom and granddaddy believe. We uphold the same things that they did and they do. And it's not based on what the scripture says and the spirit of God's work in our life. It's based on what we've learned over time from the people around us and where we live. Whew, that's dangerous, y'all. Really, really dangerous. Again, there is no American Christianity. There is no cultural Christianity. It's biblical Christianity. So whatever your stances are and however you communicate that must be from the word of God and all the word, not one or two verses pulled out that you like, but all of it. Now, just as we've talked about sin and, and sin separates, right? Wherever there is sin, a death occurs is what Tony Evans says. Just as it is true that sin separates, God's spirit regenerates. That's also the truth of God's word. And it's important to hear that as we begin to study and talk about alternative lifestyles because the, the rub is and, and the friction comes when those who live a lifestyle that is contradictory to the, contradictory to the word of God 
believe that they have salvation. So, so what I'm telling you is, is just as sure as sin separates from God, real salvation results in the Spirit of God regenerating us, making us new. Regeneration is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, granting spiritual life to dead sinners. Scripture says in Philippians 2.13, For God is working in you, giving you the desire to do what pleases Him. But it doesn't just say the desire. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Now, did you hear that last part? To do what pleases Him. You see, real salvation results in people really wanting to please God. Not wanting to be happy and not wanting to get all the things that they've always wanted. But the Spirit of God will work within them, giving them the desire and the power to do what is right according to God. So Christian, know this as a point of discipleship tonight. When we have turned from our sin and we turn to God and and placing faith in Jesus who has accomplished the work of our salvation, the Scripture tells us that the Spirit of God comes into our life on the immaterial part of us that is alive to God. The Spirit of God lives and dwells within every Christian. And God's Spirit will not leave us. God's Spirit teaches us what is true. God's Spirit convicts us of the righteousness of God, convicts us of our sin and how much we need God. And because God is in us, there is new spiritual life. And because there is new spiritual life from the sinner to the saint, then we will have a new perspective, and listen to this, and a new relationship with sin. When you get saved, sin looks different. And you look at sin differently when you get saved. Recently, there was a, a TV celebrity that was criticized for her sexual decisions because of, and, and the criticism came with her connection to Christianity. And she made this statement. She said, I know the Lord forgives me. He still loves me. And that doesn't make me any less worthy of his love or love for somebody who wants to spend the rest of their life with me. And the truth is, is she's absolutely right. 100%. Because God is a forgiving God, and don't I know it. Somebody say amen to that. God is a forgiving God. Her perspective, however, is that I do these things and God still loves me. So listen to this. God has not saved her to still love her for ongoing sin. You hear that? So that even that language is problematic. God has not saved her to still love her for ongoing sin. If she has a real and right relationship with God, he has saved her to free her from the power and the penalty of sin. You see, that, that's, we got to change our language. When you have a right and real relationship with God, you begin to look at sin differently. Not like, I'll do this and get away with it. But what I'm getting away with, Jesus paid for it. So I don't want to do it. You see, that's, that's two different things. So when we begin to claim real Christianity, genuine Christianity is going to care about the sin that grieves the heart of God. So think about all this as it plays into our life. But also think about how it plays into those who who really are are claiming true belief in following Jesus Christ while having a a same relationship to sin as they had before conversion. You see, we want sin and we want salvation. And those are contradictory. But can I tell you something? Wanting sin and wanting salvation, that is cultural Christianity. That is cultural Christianity to a T. That's immature Christianity. 
We want to be right with God and bust heaven wide open, but we want to party a little in college. <laughs> we want to get away with as much as we can get. We want to push the edge to the line. We want to do just as much to keep our Christian card. Like that is cultural because that's not biblical. Recently, there's a, another name in, in pop culture that's a, a new relationship with the Lord. I'm not questioning their relationship with the Lord. I'm definitely questioning their maturity because it sounds a lot like me before I grew up. And, and one, of the, one of the names that's been thrown out there now has been thrust into the spotlight way too early, which is why the Lord teaches us in his word to come by church leaders slowly. But his name is, has been thrust out there way too early, and, and immaturity, as it does with, with the best of Christians, it began to rear its ugly head, and it puts him in a weird light. Like, is that real Christianity? Can you get away with that if you're a real Christian? Well... Someone said of this that, uh, you know, well, that's, that's just where he is. You know, that's just where he is. Well, maybe so, but he can't stay there. Because that's, that's not the work of the Holy Spirit is to leave us where we are once God saves us. So we can just wallow around in what God saved us from for, till we bust heaven wide open. No, it, it's so that God will continue to work in us that we may be light and salt in a world that needs it. So I, I think we all, if I, I'm saying this, we all need to gain this perspective as it relates to sin and Christianity because, again, the friction often is not alternative lifestyles. The friction is alternative lifestyles that contradict Scripture but claim salvation. That's where the rub is. That's where the friction is, is that we're as right with God as you are, but our life looks completely against the Scripture lifestyle. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. We're going to stay on this thought. And again, this is not the only time we'll preach on this. So we'll cover a lot of different things, a lot of different times. And go as long as we need to. But Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I want to give you this, uh, this word before we read the word, which is this. When someone really gets saved, things really get different. When someone really gets saved, things really get different. We're going to look at that in the scripture tonight, verses 1 through 5. Verse 1 says... Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Once you were dead. Now, that's not something we say every day. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Dead means no life. Before you were a Christian, you were dead in your sin. That does not mean that, that you were once at a distance from God because uh, you, you were a sinner just like everybody else in the Savior. You were a distance from God. That's not what it says. Don't say distance. It says dead. And this is not, you, you were, this is, you were completely separate from God in your sin. So in, in the state, in the lifestyle of sin, we were completely separate from God. And those who still remain in their sin, this is the state that they're in. The Bible says dead in trespasses, like no spiritual life. That means there is no forgiveness, no peace, no purpose. There are no promises. There is no answered prayer. There is no eternal life. There is no spiritual life. There's only death. There's only separation because of sin. Y'all, that is the truth of what God's word says. And this is the status for us before we turn from our sin and turn to God. And this is the status of all of those who have never turned from their sin and turned to God. It's death. That's the reality of the God's word right there. Scripture says in verse 2, you used to live in sin. Speaking to the church, 
This is Paul writing to the church, and he says, You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. You used to live in sin. Now, this again, in sin. You used to live in sin. This is the location. This is the characteristic. You used to live there. This describes the sinful state. It does not say you used to struggle with sin or wrestle with sin. It does not say that. It says you used to live there. So whether it's, it's what you are, 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 let me go back. That struggling and wrestling with sin, that is for those who are believers. If you're not a believer, you don't struggle and wrestle with sin. If, if you're lost, you live in it. We only begin to struggle and wrestle with sin and our desires before God when we are saved. Living in sin is for lost folks. And, and so used to also describes this former location. Y'all, if, if you say that you live in Alabama, but you live in Tennessee, you're lying to yourself. That's, so, so consider, we have to consider ourselves, but we are also thinking of those that we minister to. Those that would say... That the scripture says those that say they would live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So when you say that you live somewhere, but it, your location is elsewhere, then you're lying to yourself and lying to others. Used to means there's a difference between where you are now and where you used to be. Somebody say amen for the grace of God. That, that I am not who I once was, that I'm in a different place and location altogether. His power is, is, has freed me from the penalty and the power of sin. And I'm not where I used to be. But see, that's our testimony. Like, we're, we're not living where, where we once lived. The location has changed. Used to is, you may have, now, now think about, I want you to think about this, because some of you may be thinking tonight, man, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm trying to figure out where I live, All right. And if that's the case, you may have a desire to go back to where you used to live. And, and you may even swing by there every once in a while. And you may struggle and wrestle with that desire, but you don't live there. That's not where you stay. You used to live in sin. And then the scripture says, just like the rest of the world. Again, going back to where we began, whether it's what you think is alternative culture or whether y'all think it's harmless southern culture. And sometimes those, those shirts, which are cute, but I've mentioned this before, they're really dangerous. Because those shirts that say, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. You see, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I know those are harmless, y'all. And some of y'all be looking around like, I bought you that for Christmas last year. You remember that? Because you got to watch your mouth. No, I mean, like, I understand. I'm, I just want to tell you, I, I'm not coming down on those. Man, if you're selling those online, then God bless you. What I'm trying to tell you is is that you have to be careful with that because we're trying to get away with what Jesus paid for. So I hate to, I hate to like, that just knocks everybody off Instagram. And what's the other one? What's the other? Uh, no, <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, Pinterest, Pinterest, it's all over Pinterest. Okay, whatever. All right. So whether you think it's alternative culture or harmless Southern culture, and living in sin is not Christian culture. It's not biblical Christianity. Lifestyles that contradict the holiness of God are not born of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. Now listen to this. This is where it gets super serious. Lifestyles that contradict the holiness of God 
are products of the devil. That's what it says in verse 2. It's the devil. Uh, And and this is something you've got to understand because I want to go back to verse 2. I want you to read it because it's very important that you understand the enemy. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Now, before salvation, we may have not known it, but we were under the control or under the power of Satan. We were under the influence of Satan. This is what you need to know about Satan. The devil isn't demanding, he's deceiving. Write that down and take that with you. The devil is not demanding, he's deceiving. So when we think about anybody that struggles with what we're dealing with tonight, or even in our own life, the devil's strategy is not to make you do something. It's to persuade you to believe that another way is better than God's. To believe that there is another way that's going to be better for you. And this is what Satan will do. He's going to mix in just enough love of God. But he's going to leave out the justice and the standard of God. So what you hold on to is the love of God, because everybody likes that, because we don't want to think about the other side. So he's not demanding it. He's deceiving. And the scripture says that apart from God, apart from God, we are obedient to the devil. We are being deceived, and we do what he has led us to do. So Satan is at work in the heart of the lost, but the Spirit of God is at work in the heart of the Christian. And you think to yourself tonight, but, but yeah, I hear what you're saying, but what, about, what if I'm still tempted? I mean, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I know I am. But what if I'm still tempted? Well, Satan doesn't quit on you once you get saved. In fact, sometimes that spiritual warfare turns up. But it's quite the opposite because he has no control over you any longer. And the reason for that is because of Christ in you. And greater is Jesus in you than, than he is in the world, right? And the scripture says in John fourteen thirty, Jesus said, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. And I love this because it's so much swagger in Jesus. He says, he ain't got no power over me. But I will do what the father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the father. So when you are really in Christ and Christ is in you, Satan once had power and influence over you, but no longer because your savior and your master has all authority and all power, which gives you the ability to stand up and walk right. When somebody gets saved, they, they really get different. And the biggest difference is in our desire that we'll want to, we'll want to, you know, that silly little illustration I just gave about you know, something about Jesus and I cuss a little or whatever. The truth is, is if you heard that, you probably thought to yourself, oh my gosh, Lord, I'm so sorry if I did. <laughs> you know, because like, we don't want to, we don't want to do wrong by the Lord. We want to do right by the Lord. That's what happens when somebody really gets saved. And then the scripture goes on to say in verse three, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. It says all of us did. All of us used to live that way. Again, it may not be the same sin, but it's the same wage following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. And there's that word again, used to. There's those words. All of us used to live that way. Now, some scriptures that you look at are going to refer to the Holy Trinity, not by topic, but they're all in there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I think what you've got in verses 2 and 3 are the unholy trinity which is Satan's self in the world. And together, those contribute to a life of sin. Apart from God, it's not just where we live. 
meaning the world. It's not just who's over us when we are apart from God, which is Satan, but it's just the very nature of who we are. When someone is apart from God, they are, are persuaded and, and deceived by where they are in the world, by who's over them, which is Satan, and by who they are, which is a nature of sin. Y'all, it's our very nature, a sin nature that we all inherited from Adam that sets us in a place of God's judgment, his righteous judgment. It's not so much about what you've done and all the things that we can list. It's so much about who you are. So you may say, well, these folks with these alternative lifestyles are condemned. They're not condemned because of that specific sin. They're condemned because they're a sinner. See, it's a state of sin. And, and who are we? Apart from Christ, we, we are condemned. That's really what we are. Now, what that means is, it means condemnation is an adverse sentence. Meaning, the verdict is in, you're guilty, and you're going away forever. Condemnation is is the, the guilty verdict of a holy God to a sinful man who would reject the sacrifice that was made for him to be right with God. And see how the Bible uses just like everyone else? Look again there. I'm going to turn back. I know it's in my scripture, but I'm relying here on what I've typed up. Verse 3, all of us used to live that way. Listen to this, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. Listen to this part. Just like everyone else. That phrase right there is often used to justify why we do what we do. Because we just like everybody else. We, we've done things, and the truth is, is we are. We, we're just like everybody else. But, but often this expression, again, while it's used to justify a desire or a, a feeling or an experience, because everyone deserves this. Everyone should do this. Everyone deserves love. Everyone deserves happiness. Everyone deserves a second chance. In fact, if you take out your phone right now and you type in the words on Google, everyone deserves, that's what's going to come up. Seriously. I did this today. I typed up, before I did that in Google, I typed up, everyone deserves love to be happy and a second chance. I think I had one more. Everybody deserves something else. Uh, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, there, I, I had one that they didn't, which I don't know. But so, so if you type that in, it's going to say, love, happiness, a second chance. But the scripture says that just like everyone else means that we are all subject to God's anger. It, it has, the, the Bible doesn't say just like everyone else means you need a chance to be happy. And that's not easy to preach. You, you, you need a chance to love the way you want to love, man. You need a chance to feel the way you want to feel. You need a chance to, to do all the things that you want to do. No, just like everyone else applies to us as sinners apart from God. And God saved us not to be like our best self. He saved us to be like his son. Verse 4. Verse 4 says, and this is where it gets good, y'all. It's good news for those who have not accepted it, accepted Jesus as Savior. It's good news for us that have. But verse 4 and 5 says, but God. Amen? But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Even though we were dead, separate from God in our sin. He gave us life. 
Now, again, I want you to think of death and life as separation and union. Here's what that means. Even though we were separate because of our sins, he gave us unity with God when he raised Christ from the dead. Therefore, because the very thing that Jesus died for was sin, it stands to reason that the very thing we live for cannot be sin. It cannot be sin. If we look in the scripture and we see that it's called out as sin, if we live for that, we are, I don't even know other what to say it. We, if we live for that, our desire is for that and not for God. Last week, getting ready to close here. Last week, one of the missionary couples that visited with us, uh, that, that's a featured missionary partner for this year, the Haydens, who are in Africa, they visited with us and they told us of a man in the village that, that believed God, that received Christ, believed the good news, the bad news that he's a sinner, the good news that God made a way for him to be saved. And so he turned from himself, he turned to God, believed Jesus is the way. And the thing is, is before his salvation, he had married multiple wives. And he had married multiple wives as a part of their culture. See, again, when we talk about alternative lifestyles, there's all kinds of alternative lifestyles. And, and where they are, alternative lifestyles outside of, of Christian culture, outside of biblical Christianity, he had married multiple wives. Now, if you look in the Scripture, you're going to find multiple wives, but multiple wives has never been allowed by God in biblical history. It was, not, it was never God's design. It's stated clearly in Scripture. God allowed it, but he, he did not want it. And, and the guys that, even, even Solomon, Solomon feared God and obeyed his commandments. He sought after wives and concubines and all that forever. And at the end, it was never fulfilling. It, the responsibility of all men is to fear God and obey his commandments. Well, so when a man like this who has multiple wives, and I want you to understand that what we deal with tonight. The man like this that has multiple wives believes the gospel and, and is forgiven of his sin and is experiencing new life, what happens to this man and his family now? Because some of you that are probably thinking, well, I'll tell you what he needs to do. Oh, come on now. It's, it's not, it really is. That's why you have to get to know people because it's not just as simple as, well, man, you just need to leave your house and pick one, I guess. And I asked the, I asked the Haydens, I said, what, what, what did we do with that? And this was their response. She, she basically said, she says, I'm saying, she said, it's not pretty. Because he's having to work out his life according to the truth. And that's not an easy fix. But one thing, this is the cool thing. One thing that came out of that is the children and grandchildren that are under his care. He is influencing them and the entire village not to do the same. See, that's change. That's a desire for something different based on a desire to do right by God. See, this is a real person living in what we call an alternative lifestyle that is struggling and wrestling with the truth, but you'd rather be struggling and wrestling than dead. Struggling and wrestling with the truth, but, but there's new life now, and there's an old life that's used to be, and there's some consequence that we're dealing with even within that situation, but now he's dealing with it with God, not apart from God. So now that we've studied and, and read all this to say that when someone really gets saved, things really get different. We no longer live in sin. We 
now follow the Spirit, not our sinful nature, and our desires to please God over and above even what we feel. Scripture says in Romans 6, 2, Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? The problem arises when we don't see our lifestyle as sin. And at this point, it becomes your word against God's word. And we'll talk more about that next week, because I, or not next week, because we'll not be here next week, but the week after that, we'll come back. And we'll likely look at 2 Corinthians 10, where the Apostle Paul refers to these kinds of ideologies as strongholds. Listen to what the Scripture says. Strongholds of human reasoning and proud obstacles. Strongholds of what we have concluded in our own mind. And not only that, we're proud about it, and we think you ought to feel the same way. See, that's, that's where it goes once, once you have believed in yourself and been deceived by Satan, is not only do you believe it for yourself, but you're wrong if you don't believe the same way I do. They're fortresses, fortresses that they built up around themselves, and rather than keeping them safe, those fortresses are actually destroying themselves. The next week, or the next week after that, we'll, we'll consider that as we move forward, and the difference between some alternative lifestyles and others are that some have a desire to influence everyone around them to believe that they're right and to feel that they are right with God. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 15 says this, Yes, truth is gone, and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. The Lord looked and was displeased to find that there was no justice. The truth is gone. We got time. Let me just tell you what devotion I gave you, I gave today. I want to share it with you. You need people in your life that'll tell you the truth. Amen? You need people in your life that'll, that'll tell you the truth. When truth stops being told, lies start being lived. When truth stops being told, lies start being lived. In that scripture, in Isaiah chapter 59, what you see it is an acknowledgement of sin from the prophet on behalf of the people. But he begins to talk about how truth has left the building. That, that the, the courts are, are making judgments that are crazy, that are nowhere near the truth. And he even says, truth is like it's, like it's been stumbling out into the street. And the way that I see that without studying it a ton is that it's like a drunk man that stumbles out into the street and everybody looks and goes, that dude's crazy. That's the way that truth began to be viewed. And then the scripture goes on to say about how God looked and saw no one that would, would intervene, that would stand up for what is, is true. Keep people in your life that will tell you the truth. You need those people. I'm thankful for people in my life that, that will be honest with me because they care. People will flatter you. And, and they'll tell you, oh, my goodness, you're so great until you're not great. Then they won't tell you you're great anymore. That's flattery, right? And then people will criticize you because it's not about encouraging you. It's not about seeing you get better. They want you to feel bad about who you are. And don't listen to any of them. Listen to people that tell the truth. Who are those people in your life that tell you the truth? I know one thing is for certain. If you read this Bible, God will lovingly tell you the truth. For his glory and your good. Amen? Amen.